Welcome to Hydrate Level 4. I'm your host, Peter. I'm your co-host, Phoenix. And today we are reviewing the 1992 family comedy Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. It's directed by Chris Columbus, written by John Hughes, starring Macaulay Culkin, Joe Pesci, Daniel Stern, Catherine O'Hara, John Hurd, uh, Tim Curry, Rob Schneider, and a bunch of other people from the from the first one. One year after Kevin was left home alone and had to defeat a pair of bumbling burglars, he accidentally finds himself in New York City, and the same criminals are not far behind. Okay, let's get it. All right, well, here we are, the sequel. Um, kind of a cookie-cutter sequel, I would say. You know, it, it um, has a lot of the same elements from the first movie. It uh, basically follows the same... Um, ML? Same pattern. Um, yeah, it's, it's a pretty interesting one. It's one I also grew up with. Uh, I think I mentioned on the previous episode that... Uh, you know, despite um, really loving the first one, I think this is the one I've seen the most. Uh, that's not to say that this one I like the least. I it's kind of it's kind of difficult to explain, but um, uh, I guess we'll kind of really get into it. But this one we're not gonna really review scene by scene like we did the first one, just because there are so uh, so much similarities. But we are just uh, gonna, you know, go over some things that you know we had thoughts of, and and maybe some of the differences in this one uh, versus the second one or the first one. Did, did I did I jack that all up? I think you did. Um, this one, okay, whatever. You guys probably know what I meant. Um, but the the uh, the traps themselves. Do you think? What, what do you think about the traps? I I think they kind of turned it up a notch. You know, definitely made them a little bit more violent than the first movie. A lot more violent. I think they were funnier. Um, I think we watched it, uh, that scene alone the second time last night. And we were still laughing. So they they really uh, hold up as far as uh, uh, comedic value. But um, there there were there were some things. Uh, I wouldn't say a little bit more inappropriate than than the first. There, there's one thing that I'll definitely point out a little bit later, uh, but. As far as the parental guidance, basically, is the same as the first. Um, I think they have less bad words. You know, they don't say the, um, you know, the vulgar equivalent of crap. You know, that's not mentioned like it was in the first one. Uh, it was alluded to it. You know, Buzz almost says the word, but he doesn't even say shush. You know, the sh. But um, you know, I think uh, ass is mentioned again. But it, it's a family movie. It's rated PG, and I think it's very you know it's suitable for all ages really. Um, okay, so early on in the movie, uh, there is a line dropped, you know, Kevin mentions, you know, how could you have Christmas without a Christmas tree? And that's basically, um, I guess a clue to kind of how they'll find Kevin later on, which I, I, I didn't think was very strong. Did you have any thoughts on that callback later on in the movie? Uh, no, not really. I just didn't think that it would be, Did even be a factor in finding him whatsoever, because, I don't know, how would they find him at the exact moment? Yeah, but um, when she finds him later on in the movie, did you remember this line at all? Mm-mm. So you just kind of thought it was out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, I just thought that she, you know, was going on a hunch or something. Yeah, um, okay. Then Kevin is told by his parents to go get his tie out of the bathroom, which Uncle Frank is in there uh, taking a shower. 
Did you get this joke? Um, he told his parents that he couldn't because Uncle Frank said um, that if he you know, saw him naked, that he would grow up never feeling like a real man. I definitely got that joke. Okay. Uh, as a kid, I, I, uh, it went over my head, but I always knew that it was something I didn't understand because of how the dad... Uh, you know, he kind of laughs. And, you know, he's uh, and then you know looks at the mom, Kate, and uh, I was like, I'm like, okay, that's something I obviously don't get. But as a grown up, I heard that I'm like, wow, they actually had that in there, because the way it's worded, you know, it was um, a lot of thought went into that. You know, how will I insert this uh, this joke here that kids won't understand, but adults will get? So I can imagine that the movie theater, you know, the adults were probably laughing because I had I had a good chuckle, and I think I was a little bit more astonished that it was actually in the movie itself uh, th- th- than the joke. Um, but instead of the powers going out this time around, we get um, uh, Peter, the dad. He is looking. What was he looking for? Batteries or charge? Uh, he, was he was looking for a charger. Okay, he was looking for a charger for something, but he unplugs the uh, the multi outlet. Uh, extension thing that um, you know that they used, and it un, uh, it um, unplugs the alarm clock as well. Now, if it were my alarm clock, I would have been mindful and be like, "Oh crap! I, I reset the alarm clock." You know, it, I I thought that was a little unbelievable. Did you? Yeah, I definitely did. So um, Peter unplugs the outlet, which uh, unplugs the uh, alarm clock. And then when he plugs it back in, you know, it flashes 12 o'clock, as in it resetted. And, uh, yeah, he doesn't even reset the, the, the time back. And that's how they um, kind of forget the, the next morning. Uh, I guess they only have one alarm clock in the entire house. <laughs> yeah, that that's also a little unbelievable because of uh, Uncle Frank was there, too. There were other adults in the house, I'm sure. Not just one master bedroom would have the whole thing. Yeah, we we can. Okay, let, let's just think who lives in that house exactly. Uh, you got Pete and Kate, or Peter and Kate. Uh, you got Buzz, uh, Kevin, and at least one of the sisters, right? I think that was the sister that um, that you know Buzz and the sister was talking about Kevin in the first movie. Does he have at least one sister? He has at least one sister. Yeah, so let's just say the four of them, because because um, Fuller is his cousin, so Fuller is not a brother or anything like that. But he still lives there. I don't think they live there. I think they're there because they're going to go to the um, uh, go on vacation. Well, in family pictures and everything, like um, when Kevin takes out Peter's wallet, he looks at a picture, and I'm pretty sure it's the whole family. See, I, I guess I never really paid attention to that, whether or not Frank and his family also live in that house. I did. I was under the impression they didn't, but knowing Frank, he is a cheapskate. I can imagine that he does live there, so that's you know that's possible. But yeah, I guess I never really thought about that. Um, yeah, so it's it's really weird that the one alarm clock that got unplugged seemed to be the one that they were relying on, you know, to to wake them up on time. Um, but they have this uh, this one scene of the concert uh, where uh, I guess Buzz is still in school because uh, he's uh, part of this choir as well, you know, along with Kevin and some of the other kids. And you know, it's a Christmas concert, and they have a um, you know they're singing Christmas music, and Kevin has a solo where. Buzz takes these, I don't know, I guess electronic candles, you know, mm-hmm. that they were all mm-hmm. holding. And he uh, mimics, you know, playing drums on Kevin's head, on the kid's head next to him. And uh, he even puts it behind Kevin's ears to kind of light them up, <laughs> you know. And, the, like, the crowd is chuckling. You know, even uh, Uncle Frank starts laughing out loud. What, what did you think of this? Because 
um, Buzz is obviously humiliating Kevin in, in front of you know a bunch of complete strangers. I didn't think too much of it. I mean, I just thought that how would adults let him go away with that? You know, the, right. the um the director of it, everything wasn't doing anything. He was, I think, he was chucking along too. Well, I don't think it was improv. I mean, that that was written in there. But as, as far as I mean, like, what, what do you think uh, it was warranted for Kevin to shove Buzz off the, uh, the 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 stands like that? I think he shouldn't have done it in such a public area with everyone around them. Yeah, especially since they all went down like dominoes. Right. It was a little too convenient, and mm-hmm. Kevin was the only one left standing. Uh, I mean, uh, I, I don't know if I found it funny or, I mean, it's not a fun scene, but it kind of sets up for what's going to happen next, where they kind of have a family meeting back at home, and uh, Buzz is um, giving, well, he's apologizing to the family and to Kevin himself, which he doesn't mean because, you know, he kind of... Um, you know, mutters uh, something quietly to Kevin that kind of upsets him again. But as the parents, put yourself in the parents' shoes. Would you have accepted Buzz's apology as being sincere? No. I would have definitely seen that right away, even though, you know, they didn't see it. It's kind of obvious. Yeah, I mean, because like I said, he humiliated Kevin, you you know, and it it wasn't like one little thing. This guy, he he went on for like 30 seconds, you know, uh, just, and I mean, I I know you don't want to stop Kevin in the middle middle of his solo, but yeah, I I, I think, what do you think should have happened to Buzz? Should he have been grounded or something? I don't think they ground Buzz whatsoever. I mean, it doesn't seem like they have much discipline for anyone but Kevin. Yeah, you know, you're truly right. But um, yeah, I, I think they should have done something. I mean, uh, I, I don't think his apology meant anything. I mean, because it, it's it probably wasn't the first time he's ever done anything like that. And for like repeated offense, you know, like you said, but, but probably because his family kind of lacks discipline, they probably didn't do anything. And you know, it was so quick and easy to uh, accept his apology. And Kevin sees uh, sees through it. So good on him on that. Uh, so we get uh, more scenes that is uh, very similar to the first movie. They wake up late, obviously, and I kind of like this one because you know they they actually uh, they acknowledge that it's happened before, right? So they wake up. P- uh, Peter and Kate are like, "We did it again," and then again they they run over to uh, in front of the bed, look at the camera, then they look at each other and scream, and then we get the you know like the the sped up version of everyone getting ready this time uh this one was a lot quicker than the first one i think you know there was no um nobody running into the statue you know in front of the house uh they quickly go to the airport and this is uh this time kevin's there and they, they almost missed him this time um but kevin's there and he needed some batteries for his talk boy now you've never seen a talk boy before other than this movie Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the Talk Boys, uh, obviously, they came out around the release, uh, the home release, I believe, uh, for Home Alone 2, and I used to own one myself. Now, I don't remember how long I exactly had it, but I must have had it at least when I was, mm, I want to say 13 or 14 is when I had it. And it's funny because uh, when I was that young, I obviously didn't have any like recording programs on a computer. The computers aren't, at, you know, definitely wasn't as sophisticated as they are now, and so that was like really the only recording device I had. E- even if you op- uh, turned on the computer, um, I don't know if they even had sound recorder. And if they did, um, our computer probably didn't even have a mic, you know, because. Y- y- 
you weren't around for the evolution of the uh, of um, computers, but uh, you know they didn't. You had to buy a mic separately, and then they came with mics, and then the laptops came, then the laptops came with mics, uh, all these things. But the Talkboy, a friend of uh, a friend of mine, and I, we used to use that to record us rapping. So we would play instrumentals in the background and use the Talkboy as a microphone to rap. Uh, and I think it only had like three different functions where you can slow it down and speed it up and then normal. So could you like talk uh, slow in poetry and then speed it up and then you guys call that rapping? Uh, yeah. Well, no. If you talked slow and sped it up, it would almost sound normal. Do you get it? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. you're changing the speed. What if you talk normal, like say you're reading a Dr. Seuss book and then you speed it up? It, it would sound like Alvin and the Chipmunk. <laughs> yeah, because uh, yeah, because uh, if you think of how slow the speed was, you know, it's uh, it's a lot deeper and slow. So if you speed it up, yeah, it's it's almost like Alvin and the Chipmunks. So it, it's not that much. Um, uh, it, it's a lot faster than than just slightly sped up from the normal normal uh, speed. Um, so yeah, I used to own a talk boy. Don't know what happened to it. Um, you know, I I think we only did like two songs with it. Uh, I don't know. I'm gonna have to. Maybe a broke or something like that. Um, but yeah, I used to I used to have a talk boy. Uh, so uh, Kevin he needed batteries for it, and he was uh, going through his dad's bag. And this this is kind of how they lose him because everybody's obviously in a hurry, and he's kind of um, behind a little bit trying to get batteries out. And I I, I think this is something a kid would kind of do, like you know they, he he wants to hurry up and put you know new batteries in and just. I guess can't seem to wait to you know to get seated before getting batteries. I don't know. Um, what did you what do you think of that? I thought it's kind of dumb that he would do that. I mean, he's smart and everything, but there's no point to put batteries on an airport when you're not going to use it, and you're going to be on a plane for a few hours. Just wait until you know the you're, well you're sitting on the plane doing nothing. Uh, I mean, the talk boy not only does it you know record. I mean, obviously it plays back it plays back a cassette tape i mean because he can have cassette tapes and listen to music as well you know that's that's basically the original ipods you know it, it basically worked like a walkman just that it it also recorded because um, we do see him later on he puts on his headphones and he's listening to music on the plane you know because he's sitting next to a guy that's speaking french um so yeah they get separated because he uh was putting batteries you know into his talk boy but when he looks up, he mistakes another man for his dad, which was pretty convenient. The guy seemed to be wearing the exact same coat and had the same hairstyle from the backside. Mm-hmm. So he po- follows this guy to um, to the wrong terminal and gets on a plane to um, to New York, and the family's going to Florida? Yes. Yeah. So maybe they're going to go meet up the Murphys from part one because <laughs> <laughs> they're over in Orlando. Uh, okay, so uh, Kevin arrives in New York. Uh, and he realizes that he wished his family gone again. And it it kind of made me think back, like, that something sounds really familiar about this. And then I was like, wish, wish, wish. And I was like, oh, wish, kid. And that used to be a, a cartoon show that Macaulay Culkin voiced um, where he had a, a magic baseball glove. And when he would punch into it three times and make a wish, it would come true. And I looked it up prior to this, this recording, and yeah, it was a Saturday morning cartoon, and unfortunately, there was only 13 episodes. So yeah, it was really short-lived, and it took place um, uh, in 91, so between Home Alone 1 and Home Alone 2. So by Home Alone 2, it was already over. So kind of weird. Um, 
you know, uh, you, you would think that it would have gone a little bit longer, you know, with the pop uh, popularity of part one, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. Fortunately, it doesn't. Uh, did you see any, don't look at my notes there, did you see any uh, anything that resembled New York? Uh, the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. The World Trade Towers. Okay, I think you're looking at my notes. <laughs> And Manhattan. <laughs> uh, well, Manhattan's in there. I don't know if he was there. Was he in Manhattan? I don't. I don't think so. But um, and the Central Land statue. Wait, the, the who? No, no, never mind. Okay, so you're you're reading it wrong. <laughs> see, you're stealing my notes. That again. time I looked at. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, you get to see some of those iconic things in the World Trade Center. Obviously, you know uh, about you know what nine years till nine uh, eleven. Um, it is uh, pretty cool because he goes to the Plaza Hotel and that's where he checks in and it's owned by Donald Trump which I don't know if you knew but that that is the man that he asked for directions when he was inside the uh, in the, inside the hotel do you kind of kind of remember Mm-mm. you know who Donald Trump is no okay he's a he's a pretty pretty wealthy guy owns a lot of buildings um he has that show the apprentice maybe you've heard of that one nope okay well the um yeah, he owned the hotel at the time, and uh, Kevin happened to be walking by him and asked him for directions, which uh, Donald Trump gives him. And as they walk off, Donald Trump gives him like a like a double look, you know, just kind of like, wait, what was that about? You know, so that that's the the inside joke there. If you knew who he was, um, just like in the first movie, uh, in the second one, Kevin watches yet another uh, classic black and white movie, uh, the sequel to Agents uh, Angels with. Filthy Souls is called Angels with Even Filthier Souls. Um, I wonder if these were, like, in the Home Alone universe. I wonder if it's a big, like, a classic. What do you think? I don't really know why they would um, put that movie in there. I mean, uh, it wasn't scary, but, you know, it's... Uh, I don't know if it's classic. It doesn't seem classic. It It doesn't, because, like, in the first one, he plays it. And then no one knows. No one knows exactly. And same one with this one too. He plays it later on, and no one knows that it's the dialogue from that movie. So it's definitely not like. um, I don't know. I guess Kevin really likes these old obscure movies. Is what it seems like. Um, At the hotel, we get uh, a new cast of characters. Right, we get uh, Tim Curry playing the concierge, and we also get uh, Rob Schneider playing the uh, the bellboy or bellhop, whatever you want to call him. But uh, did you know any of the uh, the people from the hotel? Just Rob Schneider. You don't know Tim Curry? Nope. He was in Clue, like mm. the butler. Oh, that's where I've seen him before. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know yeah he's got a really distinctive face. Yeah. Um, uh, so you may know him best from Clue. He just he- reminded me from. Uh, Got his name, the guy in Batman. Um, Joker? No, 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 Batman. Which, in the very first Batman, the Batman. First ba- oh, Batman. he oh he reminds you of Adam West? No, 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 not not that old. I mean, the one with Jack Nicholson. Who's Michael that Batman? Keaton? Michael Keaton. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, I don't see it. Maybe the five o'clock shadow. <laughs> the stubble. I okay. You're alone on that one, I think. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Tim Curry. He was also the clown in Stephen King's It. Ah, oh, I haven't seen that yet. But you've seen the clown. Yes. Yeah, that's that's him. Huh. Um, let me see. I'm trying to think of. Is that why they picked a clown balloon animal in the shower scene? It, it could be actually not that did you mention it? I think that's Bozo the clown that 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 was being used. Um, but yeah, that's that's really uh, um, yeah, that's a good question. 
let me pull up some some other Tim Curry movies because some are blanking me because I I want to say he's been in some other things that you've seen too. Um, but what do you know uh, Rob Schneider from? Grown Ups. Uh huh. And he's been in a lot of Adam Sandler movies too, like uh, Big Daddy. You see that one? Yes, I did. He played the. Uh, I think he was like like a Mexican um, delivery guy that was friends with him. He's one that says that that line hip hip hop hippopotamus. <laughs> no, no, I don't, I don't, I don't remember. I haven't seen it in a while. Um, what about uh, the animal? He he was in a movie called Animal Hot Chicks. He was in Hot Chicks. Mm-mm. I know White Chicks, but not Hot Chicks. Yeah. Um, he was also in uh, Surf Ninjas. He was a redhead in that one, though. Nope. Yeah, he was in Surf Ninjas. Okay. Yeah, I'm looking like an idiot here. There's, I can't, I couldn't find it. He's got so much under here, though. Hey, Charlie's Angels. He was in the movie, uh, scary movie too. <laughs> Maybe that's what I was thinking of, but that's not one I know you've seen. Okay, well, that was the more recent one, I guess that that I kind of remembered. Um, but let's see. So Tim Curry's a concierge. He is a pretty suspicious about kevin because he sees kevin you know checking himself into uh to the hotel uh which he pre-recorded himself answering some questions and so that way when he plays it back at the slow speed it's supposed to be the dad now what you think about the questions being asked you think it was a little too convenient that he kind of knew exactly what um you know somebody might ask well then again kevin's always planned one step ahead of everybody you know maybe he thought of what to say before he went in just like when he made reservations wait yeah, even if so, but like if he got even one of them wrong, the rest of his answers are going to be off. Mm-hmm. You know, so I I don't know. As a kid, they, they obviously they think it's cool, but for me, you know, watching back at this, it's like, well, first off, that voice just sounds too weird Slow to down. be yeah to be to be like an actual you know to be a real person's voice. Um, but let's say it is, it, it's just too convenient that all the questions being asked were exactly the ones that he answered correctly to. So throughout the uh, entire movie, the concierge has uh, kind of been suspicious of Kevin and, uh, you know, asks uh, Rob Schneider to keep an eye on him. Uh, what do you think of Rob Schneider's character? Um, I didn't think too much of him. I just thought of him as another character, you know, nothing that really impacts the story. Uh, he doesn't really do much as or other than ask for tips. Yeah, uh, I I think he's he, he's kind of funny. Um, you know, you, we'll probably do some. Well, I definitely want to do Surf Ninjas one day, and he's a kind of a eh, kind of a different character in there. But it, it's funny because um, later on in his career, I actually found out he's like half uh, half white, half Filipino. So he's actually a half Islander or Asian. I'm not sure what they consider themselves, but uh, throughout the movie, yeah, they they kind of keep an eye on him um, because of that. Uh, and there's a scene where, where, uh, the concierge, again, played by Tim Curry, he sneaks up into Kevin's room. And I, I think at this time is when Kevin's watching the, the movie and he hears somebody, um, trying to open up the door. So he takes about 90 seconds to go inflate this clown, or let's say it's already inflated, but he still needs to tie up the clown in a way so that way he can uh, uh, make it move in the shower, right? Like Kind of like how he did in the first movie. Mm-hmm. Do you think that was at all plausible in, in the very little time that it took Tim Curry to enter the room? Maybe he already tied it up and everything that um, Kevin was prepared that he knew if someone's going to try and just in case. sneak in. Yeah, just in case as a backup okay. plan. Now, what did you think was uh, Tim Curry's um, plan? <laughs> this, this creepy... 
I don't man. know. Like, go in and see his father, check if everything was all right. I guess. The, okay, but, but maybe he, he was actually. He let himself he in the room, though. Yeah, he <laughs> let himself in the room, but maybe he was trying to go see the dad, and if the dad was there, he was going to, um, you know, say he went to go check up on him. Or, you know, if, if it was just Kevin alone, you know, give him plausible reason to be suspicious. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if that would have worked. I, I, I still would have been like, "Why are you sneaking into my room?" Um, but let, let's let's look uh, look let's, let's look at the shower scene through Tim Curry's eyes. Would you have really believed that 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 inflatable clown was a real human? No, because it was so <laughs> round and everything. <laughs> yeah, the yeah the shape of it alone does not uh, appear to be a real human. So uh, I, th- I I thought it was funny because it, it was the recording, uh, you know, that that Kevin played of Uncle Frank earlier. Get out of get out of here, you little um, something before I slap you silly. I, th- I thought it was a really funny line. It's, Moron. Uh, Moron. Get out here, little moron! Before I slap you, so that doesn't sound right either. I I used to know it. Uh, twerp. Get out! Get out of here, you little twerp! It's something. Get out of here, you little. Uh, I'm sure the the listeners will know. Um, okay, and so uh, we get the uh, let me see, Duncan's uh, Duncan's toy chest. Okay, so this is something kind of um, not. That doesn't parallel the first movie, so this is uh, something kind of new. What did you think of the Duncan's uh, toy store? Did you think it was cool? I thought it was pretty cool, but it just seemed like the toys were kind of like dolls and playthings like that. Not not too much choice of toys. Yeah, it what it looked like to me was not your stereotypical toy store per se. You know, like a Toys R Us or anything like that. It more it looked more like I don't want to say workshop. You know, it kind of looked like maybe like like Santa's place. You know, like you would go there, grab something, throw it in the box, and then and then wrap that up, right? It, it didn't look like it didn't have shelves full of toys. It didn't have um, stacks of toys in the aisles or anything like that, right? It was just I don't know. It was just really busy. I guess lack of a better word, I can't think of it. I I I, I didn't uh, even as a kid, I didn't find anything cool about it because nothing he walked by made me go, oh wow, you know, I wish I was in that store. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the things. I mean, Harry and Marv, they're hiding in the toy store. They're hiding in a bunch of uh, in a couple of houses. Let, let's talk about the return of uh, Harry and Marv. So they escaped prison in Chicago, and they got onto a fish truck and ended up in New York, coincidentally where Kevin is. Um, so. Now, uh, now Marv calls them the Sticky Bandits. Why do you think he switched from the Wet Bandits to the Sticky Bandits? Do you, do you think because he had no more sinks to clog in in prison? <laughs> um, maybe he was just trying to come up with a new gimmick, and he went from wet to sticky. Because I don't know, <laughs> I I don't really know. I can't really process what Marv thinks. Yeah, what what do you think about uh, about what he does uh, with, with this? Uh, so he takes uh, rolls of tape. And he turns it backwards and wraps it around his uh, his his hand. So now he's got like a, a sticky glove in a sense, and that's how he steals things from other people. They they walk by like a uh, one of those Santa, um, what was it called? A like collection jingler candle. I don't know. Yeah, they walk by one of those Santas, you know, with the uh, donations or what have you, and he sticks his hand in, in there and you know and pulls out like a bunch of change. Um, sticky Bandit, okay, cool, but. If if that's how you're stealing money, you're not getting very much. <laughs> um, I mean, the wet bandit thing, you know, all he did was just... Flood people's houses. Yeah, and, and sticky yeah. bandits, you steal people's clothes and change. Yeah. 
Uh, what else does he steal? Because later on, they're at the ice rink. Uh, I thought that was a pretty funny scene. He steals a sweater, a hat, earmuffs, um, gloves. Which nobody comes back to confront him over. Yeah. They, they, they just, all of a sudden, they're like, oh, I'm missing my scarf. I, I don't know where it went. <laughs> or when he, I think it's when someone grabbed it. Yeah, the scarf. He grabbed it and he pulled it from them. You see them spin. They didn't really do anything about it. They just kept on skating. <laughs> they must have been in the zone. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, later on, the uh, Tim Curry, he finds out that the credit card uh, Kevin was using was indeed stolen. His parents had gone to uh, the police, uh, actually a police station, and they uh, kind of report him missing, you know, what kind of happened. And this is where we find out that Kevin uh, had his dad's backpack along with Wall, it, um, money, batteries, etc., uh, etc. Et um, this is something I didn't catch the first time, but I it stuck out because it's something that uh, Michael uh, from the last episode kind of questioned. He, uh, I think, he asked, you know, if it's something that they were going to kind of, you know, keep a secret uh, amongst the family themselves, or is something that they, you know, tell other people that kind of thing. But um, the police officer. Um, I think the police officer asked something uh, about... He asked if he's been home alone before. before. Okay, yeah, because Kate was very reluctant to answer. And she looks at Peter, who kind of, you know, gives the little reassuring nod, you know, it's okay to tell. And, yeah, and then, then that's when they spilled it. So it, it made me think that maybe that's something that they don't really tell outside the family. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah, they probably were a little bit uncomfortable with it to show... I mean, it might have showed other people that they were very unreliable people, that they would leave their own son home alone after they've been on vacation, or before they've been on yeah, vacation. Yeah, but not only that, I mean, it's also child neglect. You know, parents can go to jail for that. You, you know, you um, you hear of, you know these sad stories about these I- idiotic parents leaving their toddlers and babies in the cars while they go, you know, get massages or whatever, you know what I mean? And uh, those people go to jail, so that's definitely where they deserve to be, you know, for for doing such. Um, now, I think I was going to ask something about. Uh, um, oh, so Kevin is ten years old in here? Yes, because the first movie he was eight. That's weird because like this they is also only said a it was year. a year, right? I, yeah, I saw that during the movie. I was a little um, confused on what they were talking about. Yeah, it's really weird because I'm I'm almost certain that they do mention he's 10 in here. Obviously, the last movie, they mentioned he's 8. I know the movie took two years, you know, from 90 to 92, but they always say, you know, last year or last Christmas. So it's only been a year in Home Alone's universe. So um, so that's, uh, it's not, a you know, like a, like a plot hole or anything like that, but... Um, it's a mistake. Yeah, it's definitely a mistake on the, on their part. So I wonder if a production just ran a little long. Um, but that, yeah, that's something I definitely caught. It might have been because they didn't want him to be nine or something like that. Because I don't know for for some reasons it sounds better to make a ten year old in New York than a nine year old in New York. I don't know. It makes sense in my head. Yeah. Um, no, what, what do you think about the scene when after um, the concierge found out the credit card was stolen, they all went up there, you know, like a, a big group of them to go confront Kevin. And in the bellhop went up there too. It didn't make much sense to me. Oh, the, the bellhop. They even yeah. brought an old security man named uh-huh. Cliff. <laughs> and uh, so I thought this scene was pretty funny because Kevin plays, you know, the uh, angels with filthier souls or whatever. And so they play that kind of like how they did. Uh, he did with uh, Marv. In the, well, not Marv, but the the pizza guy. 
Uh-huh. Yeah, the pizza guy in the first movie, and they just they, he just lets it play and uh, or you know fast forwards and all this stuff, and uh, so that goes along well. So hopefully I can find a clip and play that. This is the concierge, sir. I knew it was you. I could smell you getting off the elevator. You was here last night too, wasn't you? Yes, sir. <laughs> I was. You was here, and you were smooching with my brother. <laughs> I'm afraid you're mistaken, sir. Don't give me that. You've been spooching with everybody. Snuffy, Al, Leo, little Mo with the gimpy leg, Cheeks, Bony Bob, Cliff. <gasps> no, it's a lie. I could go on forever, baby. I'm terribly sorry, sir, but I'm afraid you're mistaken. We're looking for a young man. All right. I believe you. But my Tommy gun don't get down on your knees and tell me you love me. I love you. You gotta do better than that. I, I love, love you. you. Maybe I'm off my hinges, but I believe you. That's why I'm gonna let you go. I'm gonna give you to the count of three to get your lousy, lying, Low down four flush and carcass out my door. One, no, no, no. two. Three. Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. And a happy new year. I thought at least Cliff would know the movie because, you know, he's probably so old. old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe Cliff doesn't watch movies. I don't know. Maybe he's been a security guard his whole life. Uh, yeah, I thought that was a pretty funny scene. Um, what's even funnier is that uh, after, in, in that movie, the guy, like, lets off a lot of shots, right? He just, he, he shoots. And then, like, the crew, they, they run out of the room onto the, and don't they take cover, like, in the hallway? Yeah. Yeah, and, like, all these people are sticking their head out. And so so the crew on the ground are the only ones that think that these are real gunshots. Like, everyone else coming out of the room is kind of, like, just sticking their head out. Like, what's going on? It was a little unbelievable because he's like, get back to your rooms. You know, there's a madman with a gun or whatever he says. Shouldn't have everyone else been running too that's like sticking their head out of the hallway to see probably, this probably yeah yeah a group of people just taking cover so um you know it's, it's funny it's funny but uh but i think what what doesn't really strike me or what strikes me as um confusing is that he it sounds real to them the gunfire even though you know when he's shooting you can hear his laughing so you know if you oh, turn right. up the volume his laughing would be just as loud right as the gun the gunshots yeah Okay, uh, so the plan for the wet, uh, Sticky Bandits, sorry, um, they want to rob Duncan's toy store, uh, Toy Chest, uh, is it Toy Chest? I think it's Toy, toy Chest, chest. yes, yeah, the name of his store. So they want to rob him on Christmas night at midnight, uh, you know, obviously Kevin uh, figures this all out, he, you know, kind of hears him talking about it, uh, so... I guess I felt to mention that uh, Kevin has been no, not, well. He's been staying at the hotel, but he has an uncle um, that ha- owns a, a house there in New York, which is being renovated. Um, so he goes there and he sets up his booby traps from the very first movie. 
So I found this uh, really cool um, article uh, online, which I'll link, you know, the the site on, on the show notes if anyone wants to check it out. But the, this person who uh, wrote this article, he got, uh, I think, like somebody that knows, you know, medical stuff to kind of, kind of uh, say whether or not the, you know, like a person can die from this or or, or live through uh, said traps. Right. So we'll kind of go over some of this. I will kind of set up the uh, what's going on and then you will read the medical prognosis and the probable result. Okay. Okay. So uh, the very first one is bricks to the face. Uh, I really like this one. I don't know. You and I, we were uh, laughing hysterically. Uh, It's a pretty funny scene. Mm -hmm. So Marvin Harry, they they chase Kevin because Kevin took pictures of them with a Polaroid camera. And so they they chase him to his uncle's house. He gets up on top of the roof. Um, As they arrive, they couldn't figure out where he is. They look up. They see Kevin on the roof. And then, you know, they proposition him, say, hey, you know, if... uh, if you throw down your camera, we won't shoot you. Now, do you remember um, coming to America? Yes. Do you remember um, uh, Prince Akeem shouting and people would shout back at him from from, from the windows and stuff? Yes, I okay. do. Okay. Well, this is New York. I know they're in different cities, but if, if somebody was standing in the middle of the street talking about shooting somebody else, uh, I think somebody else would overhear. Mm-hmm. It almost seems like it was like an abandoned street. And the streets did seem empty from yeah. the whole running. There's no traffic. Mm-hmm. There's no cars driving up and down. So uh, kind of interesting. But, you know, Harry kind of gets away with threatening a kid. Um, so, yeah, Kevin says that he's going to throw down the camera and proceeds to throw, like, I think four different bricks. Uh-huh. And just Mar's reaction was, uh, um, you know, worth the uh, the admission price of the movie, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, go ahead with the medical prognosis. Uh, if each of the bricks, roughly six pounds, each fall about 40 feet or three stories to hit Marv in the frontal section of his skull, the chances of, uh, the chances of him surviving are slim to none. Multiply this by four... And the sticky bandits are now the sticky bandit. Yeah, so if you think the weight obviously times the, the height of the building, that's the pressure, right, of, of pounds that, that hits him with each brick. It's funny, too, because uh, Marv or Harry just keeps taunting him. <laughs> like, go ahead, throw another one. And yeah. then, then Kevin would throw it, then he would dodge it. He's like, Is that a, you got to do better than that, kid. Um, what's, what would be the probable result? He's rat bait. Yeah, so he would he would die. Um, but, uh, yeah, Marv lives through that. Um, the next, uh, the next series here, they called it the miscellaneous ambushes. Um, so let me see here. Harry and Marv, they split up again. Um, like all criminals do. Marv, uh, goes to the front of the house to encounter a staple gun at the front door, uh, falls through a big hole in the floor onto the first floor and slips into a shelf of paint cans. Let me bring that one up real quick. That kind of reminded me of the scene from Back to the Future where um, uh, Marty, you know, got blown away by the uh, big speaker into the shelf, and then he falls, and all, all this paper falls. Mm, okay, it kind of yeah. reminded me of that scene. But the scene itself, Marv slips and somehow, like, slides into mm, across like the floor. Dragged. Yeah, it looks like he's being dragged, because he was, like, dancing over the slippage, right? Mm. Uh, I forgot what it was. Was it the, the green goo? Yeah. Yeah, he was, like, dancing over it, because yeah, he couldn't keep balance. He falls to the ground and, like, slips with all this momentum out of nowhere mm-hmm. into a shelf full of paint cans. Um, 
so Kevin must have like popped open the the cans himself. Mm-hmm. But I I thought that was a little too convenient. Um, Harry gets a bag a uh, bag of tools fall on his head, which I would think all that weight of the of the tools I don't think the zipper would open that easily. But you know that's just me being picky. Uh, so the tools fall on his head, and he also later on. Uh, collapses from a, uh, a broken ladder. Well, the ladder's not broken, but Kevin saws like one side of the ladder. So that way, if there's, you know, X amount of weight on it, it would break. Uh, so medical prognosis? Let's start with Marv, who, as far as I can tell, is already a walking, a walking miracle. The one-inch staples to the buttocks, groin, and nose, while painful, are not going to inflict any lasting damage. We can expect a couple of broken, broken ribs and a bruised sternum from his first fall. The bigger issue, however, are the paint cans. Marv is doused with what looks like to be an oil-based acrylic. If not treated properly, he is in danger of point paint poisoning, a life-threatening diagnosis. Harry seems to be getting the lighter brunt to the pain so far, but rest assured, the night is still young. Both falls will likely result in a in in a some in some minor back injuries he'll deal with into his old age. The tools to his head will probably give him a mild to serious concussion. While dangerous, neither of these injuries are life-threatening. Probable result? Live to see another trap. Um, you have any uh, uh, anything to add to that? Pretty self-explanatory. Nope. I, yeah. Um, in number three, ACDC. Uh, Marv approaches a small sink in the basement. Uh, unbeknownst to him, Kevin has rigged an ACDC arc welder to both handles. Uh, Marv is electrocuted for a good 18 to 16... 18.16 seconds. Oh, 18 point. Oh, no, that's pretty precise. Seconds before Kevin shuts the power down. This particular Lincoln arc welder has an output range of 40 to 225 amps. Kevin turns up the dial about halfway enough to raise the hair on your head. Medical prognosis. Um, it doesn't say anything, but it showed the picture of Marv's uh, skeletal um, body, <laughs> you know, with his beard and hair. Uh, funny image. So that's that was the picture that they had under medical prognosis. Result? Probable result? Rat bait. So they think he'd die. Um, I I didn't... Well, I, I guess if you're being electrocuted for that long, it's very probable. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I get that. Uh, number four, blowtorch to the head, uh, which is uh, basically a part two version of uh, of uh, my favorite one from, the part, from part one. Um, Harry opens up the door. There's a blowtorch uh, rigged, so that way if he um, turns on the light, it, uh, you know, shoots out flame to his head. Medical prognosis? We're not told what is, what's exactly in the toilet, but it's enough to create a light show any pyromaniac would be jealous of. While possibly alive, Harry will have experienced severe third-degree burns and temporary, if not permanent, blindness. Probable result? Live to see another trap, but only if paramedics show up within the next 30 seconds. Yeah, I didn't think about this, too, because we do see, like, the flash from outside the building. You know, it, it, there, there, it appears to be some kind of explosion, but then the lighter flash, too. Yeah, it, without proper protection, Harry's going to go blind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so very interesting. Didn't think about that. Uh, number five, bag of flour. Marv sees a rope tied to the second floor and tries to climb it, but yanks down a bag of flour. Medical prognosis, Mm -hmm. 100 pounds of weight falling two stories is enough to crush a handful of Mars vertebrae, as well as badly damaging his already weakened skull. Probable result, I'm going with rat bait here just because Marv already has one foot in the grave. 
Yeah, these, that's pretty funny. I didn't realize that this was 100 pounds, but um, I did see a screen screen capture of it, and it does say 100 pounds on the bag itself. I The, the reason I didn't think it was that much, because um, first off, it's flour. We buy bags of rice all the time, and that bag um, of flour was about the same weight, or it appeared to be the same size as like a 25-pound bag of rice. Mm-hmm. So, um, But if, yeah, it, it says 100 on there, so I, I, um, I'll um, i believe it. He should be um, having some brain problems right now because if he had those bricks, <laughs> bricks. in his face and then these, this <laughs> bag of flour, he should be like... He should be walking around drooling and exactly. not being able not to make words. <laughs> uh, number six, paint cans part two. Uh, so kind of like the first one where uh, Kevin, uh, if Marv and Harry run up the stairs, Kevin would throw down the paint can to hit him in the face now they obviously remember this from their uh, go around the first time so they stand back and then they kind of shout up the stairs hey uh, i'll get a marv you know and then harry pretends to run up the stairs and then kevin throws down the paint cans which here's the thing like they don't hit the cans to make it sound like it hit them mm-hmm. they just wait for it to pass and then they pretend it hits them which i felt was very unbelievable <laughs> Uh, but it also gets followed by um, uh, some kind of lead pipe, r- really huge size. Um, so Harry and Marv, they run up the stairs. They avoid getting hit by the paint cans, but they didn't know about this big lead pipe to follow. So they get hit with that, and then they uh, f- you know, fly backwards to hit the paint cans onto the first floor. The uh, medical prognosis? The exact weight of the pipe is somewhat vague. While the object looks fairly heavy, Kevin... 10 years old at the time, is able to lift it over the staircase. A fair estimate would be between 40 to 60 pounds. The impact of such would result in a few more cracked ribs, a broken jaw, and a possibly fractured collarbone. Probable result? Live to see another trap. I don't agree with that result. I think they would... I don't know. It seemed like it would hurt a lot. Sure. Their fall from getting hit the last time. I guess uh, my problem is more that um, this person... You know, estimates that the uh, lead pipe to be forty to sixty pounds. We just saw a hundred pound bag of flour. Do you think that bag of flour is really that much oh, more? Yeah, you know I see what, what I mean. Yeah, so th- that that's why I don't agree with that probable result. Uh, number seven, rope soaked in kerosene. Um, that's pretty pretty self explanatory. They're climbing up a rope that was soaked in kerosene, uh, and they're trying to chase uh, Kevin that who went went up to the roof, right? Yeah. Yeah, and then he comes back down, and they're on the rope, so so he lights it from the bottom. Mm-hmm. Medical prognosis? Any fall over three stories is likely to be fatal. Since the momentum of Harry and Marv's tumble was slowed before they hit the ground, there is still a small chance of survival. Probable result? Rat bait. Yeah, I I agree with that. They they fall into like a bunch of um, uh, cans of something else at the very bottom. I know, I think so. I saw somewhere that they called it a, a cans of tar, but it looks like. Uh, oil, oil, paint thinner, so- something, something really sticky and gooey that that they they fall into. Uh, was that the last of it? Yeah. So that's basically the last of it. And then Kevin makes a call to the police and says that there was something going on in Central Park. Did he say there were shooting or fireworks or something? Or he he says look he said, for the look fire. for the fireworks. Okay. Yeah. Uh, oh, you know one thing we didn't mention earlier was the the, the pigeon lady, who is basically uh, you know uh, old man Marley. Mm-hmm. Right. They make a good couple. Um, 
I don't know. I mean, if I were him, I wouldn't want to hook up with a woman with uh, bird poop all over her coat. No one would, but you know. <laughs> no one would. So uh, just like the first one, they play her to be very creepy. You know, she does all these things without saying a word until when it's needed. There was one point Kevin has his foot stuck in um, in some rocks when he's in Central Park feeding the birds. And she comes at him like she's going to grab him. Uh, but then like at the last second, she looks down, grabs his foot out, and then he runs off. Like a robot. Sure, but it's like, okay, like old man Marley, like, say something. No, you know, why wait to, he, she doesn't say anything even when he runs off. You know, he just stops, looks back at her, and she looks at him. Um, but they had a nice moment earlier on, too. Did you recognize her from anything? No. No, uh, she's she's been in some movies that I really enjoy. Um, uh, one movie that I eventually would like to review, uh, she was in Angels in the Outfield with uh, mm. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah, she plays like his foster mom in there. Um, so, uh, oh, and also A Time to Kill, uh, one of my favorites. Um, so that's where she was in. So yeah, they they have a nice um, uh, a nice really uh, friendship, I guess you can say. And she's also the one that comes to save the day, you know, like Old Man Marley does in the first one. So they're out in the um, in the park and Harry pulls out a gun and threatens to shoot her, right? Or mm-hmm. shoot Kevin. And, mm-hmm. she, and then she comes? She threatens to shoot Kevin and then she comes in and then she he, thre- he tries to shoot her, but she throws pigeon food on them. So Mar- uh, Harry attempts two murders. <laughs> yes. Here. Um, some things don't change, I, I guess, e- even in in jail. I, uh, did, it, did it say how long they were in there for before they escaped? Uh-uh. I want to say they did. We just might have missed it. But uh, she happens to have a can of bird food, which she uh, tosses onto them and sticks to them because of what what they're covered in. Mm. A little convenient, right? Because she's got this, um, you know, bucket of bird food versus his gun. What if his gun wasn't jammed? <laughs> um, she would have died. Probably. Yeah. So she saves his life, as uh, as did old man uh, Marley from the previous year. Kevin seems to get lucky with these uh, these older folks. Um, so, um, so let's see, after the bandits get arrested, the McAllisters, uh, they arrive at the Plaza Hotel, uh, the next morning they wake up, it's Christmas and they have a bunch of gifts, right? That was sent from, uh, Mr. Duncan. A lot Duncan. of gifts, yeah. A lot of gifts. And I think, you know what, I don't even want to undersell it, you know, that it might not be enough or too many, um, because we don't know how much that store is really worth. Right, the, the the most damage Kevin really did was damage a window, right? Which could be repaid, you know, a couple hundred dollars, maybe a few hundred dollars, but I don't think they made out with any money, right? Because they started chasing Kevin right away, mm-hmm. so they didn't make out uh, with any money that was eventually going to go to a children's hospital, right? Mm-hmm. That's what motivates Kevin in the first place to to um to stop them, right? So what I'm wondering is if 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 it wasn't being donated to a hospital, would he still try and stop the bandits? That's a good question. I'm not sure because this because Kevin walks by. I don't know if that uh, if it was that very children's hospital or just a, a hospital where he saw a kid, um, but but that's where he kind of he sees a kid in the window and it, just seeing that kind of like you know um, he doesn't want these bandits to rob anybody of their Christmas. So that's what motivates him to stop them. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if. If it were going to any other charity, would Kevin had done so? Probably not, is is what I would think. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the family's all there, um, and then while he is opening up a gift, 
uh, he sees uh, two turtle doves on, on the tree, which kind of reminds him of the of the uh, pigeon lady. So he takes those two birds and he sneaks out of the house, which was a little weird. So he goes out to see her, which she's out in the park, and he gives her the two turtle doves. Explains it that yeah, as long as she has one and he has one, they'll always be friends. BFFs, right? Um, mm-hmm. He says be friends forever, not mm-hmm. best friends forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it's kind of kind of touching, right? Did you have any thoughts on this? Um, not too much. I mean, he didn't make much friends in New York other than her. I think um, it seemed. What do what do you think she thinks from seeing the turtle doves? Oh, he gave me a turtle dove for Christmas. I, I, I prefer clothes or something warm to keep me nice. Yeah, exactly. So he doesn't bring her any clothes, any clean clothes. Doesn't doesn't offer her like a room in the hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks for saving my life. Here are here here's a turtle dove. I'll, I'll give you half of it. Which doesn't do anything. It doesn't. Do, she doesn't have a tree to hang it on. <laughs> I mean, she got plenty of trees in Central Park, but she doesn't have her own Christmas tree that that we think of um yeah so so you know that, that that's fine it's supposed to be a happy moment um she seems to be accepting of it she's not very uh selfish or things for of herself i mean she does get to stay at that um what is that place that they went earlier on to hear music the opera house i yeah, don't know which one yeah so so um so, so she has a place to go to to stay warm sometimes you know, um, so that's kind of nice. I mean, I'm just wondering how she sneaks in. I mean, aren't the security guards going to notice an old pigeon lady going up to the room watching free concerts? Well, th- th- there might be like a... A, um, a secret like entrance? A, no, well, not a secret entrance, but like a direct access, you know, to, to go into the um, to the attic or, or wherever it was, you know, uh-huh. that, that that storage room. So there, there's probably some other access to it that you don't have to walk through like everybody, you know, to, to go up there. Uh, and it appeared to be somewhere that they can go through from the outside too, like some kind of back way. Um, but uh, let me see, just like the the first movie, you know, where uh, it ended with Buzz shouting. Um, this time, Kevin can hear his dad shouting from the park. Uh, well, his dad's at the hotel still and uh, flipping over, flipping out over uh, Kevin's bill of nine hundred and sixty-seven dollars and forty-three cents. Do you think he was overreacting? Nope. No, that's a lot of money. I would have overreacted. Now, I uh, I I don't think he was overreacting, but I saw something online that they pointed out, and it kind of made sense. Kevin's dad should be more. Um, he should be more thankful. Thankful that Kevin is still alive. That there was no harm done to him. And if you look at that receipt, it was mostly junk food. You yeah, know, it, it was just him living there for I don't know how long. Probably just a few days. It was right. a lot of junk food, though. It was a lot of junk food, but he was in a hotel. You know, he's he's being safe. That's something to look at. And uh, again, yeah, it's almost a grand. But how much do you think he just spent sending all the family there up to New York? That is true. Plus, he would have saved money on the presents, and the McAllisters look seem to be like a wealthy family. They seem to be very wealthy. So I, I don't think that's that much to him. To to be fairly honest, I mean, he he pays for his brother's family mm-hmm. to go to France to go to Florida, you know, all these other kids. At least we assume that it's Peter McAllister that's paying for, for all this. Um, okay, well, I mean, that's that's basically the uh, it for the review. We, we didn't give um, uh, ratings for the very first one, uh, to be completely honest. Uh, we forgot, but we were also rushing to finish that up because um, we were kind of on a time crunch there. But it being a sequel, I think it kind of be fitting, and we've done this before, uh, but maybe we can give ratings for the first and second movie here. 
Okay. Um, okay. But yeah, this first movie, uh, uh, or the first movie, is um, you know is the original, right? And I think it, typically not a lot of sequels can do it better. So I'm Dark gonna Knight. Dark Knight. Yeah. Well, I said not a lot. Yeah. I, I didn't say you know any sequel. Um, but this uh, the the first movie, uh, you know, kind of. It has a place in my heart, obviously. It's it's a very warm movie. Uh, this one uh, plays for a lot of laughs, and like I said, uh, Kevin turns it up to 11, you know, with all these uh, booby traps, which, Phoenix, you don't get that reference, but I think some of the older audiences will. But... Um, it uh, it, it uh, the second one's really funny, uh, not as a family oriented movie because you don't get to really see a whole lot of Kate and Peter. You know they have one scene in Florida, uh, but oh, you know there's one scene that I, I failed to mention that I thought was really funny too. When the McAllisters do arrive to the Plaza Hotel and they confront the uh, the hotel crew. <laughs> And he's like, what kind of uh-huh. idiots do you have running this hotel? And he's like, the finest in New York, man, <laughs> or whatever it is. <laughs> so maybe if there's a clip, I could play that. I'm going to go down to the police station. I'm going to make sure that they're doing everything in their power to find Kevin. I want you to stay here with Frank, Leslie, and the kids. No, I'm going out to look for him. What? With all due respect, madam, your son is lost in one of the biggest cities in the world. Could you stay out of this, please? As you wish. Thank you. I don't think it's a good idea for you to start running around all over New York City all by yourself. I think if our son can do it, I can do it. Okay, but Peter, I'll be fine. The way I'm feeling right now, no mugger or murderer would dare mess with me. Madam, there are hundreds of parasites out there, armed to the teeth. Do bundle up. It's awfully cold outside. But that's that's a pretty funny exchange that they have there too, because because uh, Kate ends up slapping the concierge, which I think is really funny, because yeah. Tim Curry plays it really funny too, and like his his lip even quivers, you know, like he's about to cry. <laughs> he has to look away before shedding a tear. So really well played. Um, okay, uh, so yeah, back back to the first one. Uh, I it's uh, it's really weird because I feel like over the years. That two seems to be the most popular one that plays on TV. Uh, it just—it could be me. It, it, and you would think typically they play one and two together, but it always seems that I seem to catch part two on TV. I mean, we own this now, um, so maybe it'll be a thing where we just start playing one and two together um, around Christmas time. But um, I—I always feel like the, the the number one was the the best. And I, I want to give that one a four and a half. I think it's a very solid movie. It's, it's, it's close to a perfect movie. I have no problems with it whatsoever. Now, um, part two, I don't have problems with it. I think it's really funny. But um, like I said, it, it wasn't much more of the family uh, going on. I think the relationship between him and the pigeon lady was maybe better than the uh, old man Marley. Probably. It seemed like their talks okay. were a little bit more deep. The, it was. And, you know, uh, I, I appreciate things like that. Uh, I, it, I I felt like it slowed the story down a little bit, but I still liked the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like the fact that uh, part two, that is, uh, takes place in New York. Um, you know, so we get to see all that and, and Kevin really encountering um, some obstacles out there. You know, he runs into some prostitutes on the street, you know, a creepy cab driver. Um, so th- th- that was definitely uh, new, you know. So I-, I think part two was kind of not a fresh of breath air, but I- I'm glad that they did a lot of, you know, small things different, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to the first one. Um, so I'm going to give uh, that one a four, which is, uh, I think, still a pretty solid one. Um, I think the first one's the best. Uh, I think the second one's funnier. You know, the uh, the 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 traps are not funnier, but they are... 
I guess they're funnier, but I think a lot of his traps were probably a little bit more or less believable. Probably, yeah. yeah. Okay, so yeah, let's go with that. Four and a half for the first one and a four for the second one. All right, for me, um, both movies I really enjoyed growing up. I still do, but they're almost really, really too similar for me to make a huge difference in the rating I give them. So I'm going to have to go with a 425. Um, you know, it's, it still holds up. I really love these movies. Uh, it's mainly the the traps in the second movie that made me think it's you know, it's a little it's a little far fetched in reality, but it kind of kind of overlaps each other. So for me, four twenty five. Four twenty five for the both of them. Mm-hmm. So they're pretty equal for you. Yep. All right. Okay. So um, we we got a, a new review on iTunes, and uh, we got a couple of emails uh, I'd like to get into that I, I've been saving, um, you know, to do a review with you. So we will do uh, get into some listener feedback. I've got something for you. A letter. Okay, and uh, our, our new review is uh, from Brandon Hargrove of Three Tard Podcast. He left, uh, left us a review on iTunes. Keeps me hanging around. Five stars. Great duo of hosts. Interesting to see how a father and son combo approach different things such as movies and just stuff in general. If you like movies, you'll never get tired of listening to this one. Uh, thank you so much, sir, for leaving us a review. Uh, if anybody likes to hear um, some, you know, a couple funny guys talking about life, check out Three Tard Podcast. Uh, I, I do warn you that uh, it's, um, uh, it's got explicit lyrics, uh, not lyrics, explicit content. Um, but uh, they're, they're a funny group of guys, uh, Brandon and uh, Rick there. Um, now, we got a couple emails from the same person, from Paul. Uh, who has uh, written in before, uh, a, a guy I used to work with. Um want to give a shout-out to Paul. Thanks for uh, writing in. Uh, this one's a little bit old, um, and I don't think we read this yet. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll have you read the first one, and then I'll read the second one. Um, so here's an email from Paul. Hey, Peter and Phoenix. I love your podcast. Smiley face. I haven't listened to the most recent one yet, military movies, but it's in the queue. I wanted to mention really quick something you didn't touch on when you were talking about Psycho. I haven't seen either the original or the remake simply because I don't care much for the horror genre. However, I knew a little bit about Psycho. What I thought might get mentioned, but didn't, was that the 2012 Hitchcock was all about the production of Psycho. I don't know if the content of Hitchcock is accurate or not, but if it is, then here's an interesting tidbit. Hitchcock was on a contract to do two more pictures for Paramount. He read this book and wanted to do this movie, Psycho. Executives didn't like it. He explained that he was doing this for this picture, period. After making the movie, Paramount wanted to back away from it, so Hitchcock bought the rights to the movie himself. Again, I don't know if the plot in Hitchcock is accurate, but if it is, it's quite a story. If it's true, then Psycho alone would have made him exceedingly rich, and Paramount missed out big time. Anyway, I just thought I'd throw in my two cents. Keep up the excellent work. Thank you, Paul, for that email. Uh, I, I think Paul, every time he writes in, he always has like some pretty pretty good um, insights and, and uh, little tidbits to add. So I really do appreciate that. You know that it's not just an email to to kind of give his thoughts on the movies. It, it's kind of like informational stuff. Mm-hmm. So he always has a little something to add. Maybe I can talk him into like giving like a little um, like a little segment where he just writes in like little tidbits about you know uh, of a movie or something like that. Uh, but the the second email again, it's uh, it's from Paul. This one is actually on the Home Alone, uh, and this one I I found really really interesting. Uh, it's kind of long, so I'll read this one. Uh, hey, Peter and Phoenix, another great show in the books. Smiley face. I wanted to add a few things for you. 
First off, my wife Cheryl and I have uh, ha- and I have a history with this movie. In 1990, we had just started dating, and this was the very first movie that we watched together. And for that reason, I have very fond feelings for this movie. We own the movie on VHS, and we haven't updated our copy. I had no knowledge of any deleted scenes,、uh, and was quite fascinated with the extra scenes you mentioned that I have not seen. There are a few things that you touched on that I felt the need to give supplementary information. You mentioned that this couldn't happen in today's age, and for the most part, that's true. You were wondering about the availability of a cell phone. Now, those were generally only available to those that were pretty well-to-do. Since the McAllisters do fit that category, it may have fit, but the cellular technology wasn't nearly as advanced as it is now, and at that time. Phones and other electronics were completely forbidden to use on a plane at that time, because it would interfere with the airplane's communications. Not only that, but since there wasn't a lot of server provider sharing, the phone may have been completely useless in Europe. I can't say with absolute certainty, though. As for the toothbrush comment, you mentioned that Kevin asked a clerk if it was approved by the American Dental Association. I think this was mentioned perhaps for product placement, but even if it wasn't, the reason Kevin may have mentioned it was because all toothbrush commercials on TV briefly mentioned that they were approved by the ADA. This may have just been an amusing, cult,、uh, amusing culture reference, but I'm not 100% sure on this. In the 90s, the Blazers actually went to the NBA Finals twice. They went in 1990 and lost to the Detroit Pistons. In 1992, they lost to the Chicago Bulls. So, although the Blazers wouldn't have been on the radar for Bulls fans at that time, they were still very good—good good enough to go to the finals. Anyway, keep up on the great work on the podcast. Thanks, Paul, for a very insightful email. I thought this had a lot of stuff, and he really, um, uh, literally, uh, or. Verbally slapped me with the blazer, <laughs> blazer stuff right there. So、uh, obviously, Paul's a、uh, you know a little bit older than I. So、um, I I don't remember you know that history. But、um, I don't know. I, I guess that's a knock on me as being a blazer fan to really not know the history.、Uh, but I mean, I, I knew the '92 against the Bulls. But I mean, 1990, I was like six, seven years old. So I was wa- probably watching Home Alone at that time. <laughs> uh, so no, thank you, sir, for emailing in.、Uh, I. I Truly appreciate it. I, I think that this was one of the best ones, just for you know some of the things that you were able to add.、Uh, you know, a kiss of history,、uh, as you will. No, is is that right? As you will, or、um, if you will. If you will, if you say, <laughs> yeah, if you will, that that's what I meant. But、uh, like Paul, if you'd like to email in, you can do so at hlfpodcast at gmail dot com. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at hlfpodcast, and just search for us on Facebook,、uh, Hydrate Level Four. Just、uh, give us a like. On the page,、uh, you can help us、uh, support us that way. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes. That way, you can get、uh, the most recent episodes, not having to search for it and and download them. So it'll automatically download.、Um, but yeah,、uh, we don't have.、Uh, well, we have one.、Uh, our next movie. In mind, but it, it depends whether or not we can get it released. So we're not going to announce it yet. We're hoping to get it done, but. Um, yeah, we just encourage anybody to reach us、uh, if you have any suggestions or recommendations、uh, on movies uh, to review.、Um, 2015, we got a lot that we have、uh, on the list that we would love to do. So、uh, hopefully, everyone's looking forward to that.、Uh, we don't. If you guys don't hear from us 
um, before the end of the month. I want to wish everybody a happy New Year's and also a belated Merry Christmas and you know happy holidays and all that good stuff. So uh, until the next episode, I'm Peter. I'm Phoenix. And we're Hydrate Level 4. <laughs>